0: Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Anthony Martinez, cybersecurity and privacy expert at Clearwater about the patient safety implications of cyber risks. And now,
1: on to the interview.
0: I'm joined today by Anthony Martinez, a cybersecurity and privacy expert at Clearwater. Welcome, Anthony.
1: Thank you, Jay. Happy to be here.
0: Glad to have you, and I was wondering, before we start talking about cybersecurity, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and Clearwater.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm Anthony Martinez. I'm based out of Austin, Texas, and I am Vice President of Consulting Services at Clearwater. I'm responsible for both our integrated delivery networks and physician practice management lines of business. And I've been at Clearwater for a little over a year, and I've worked in healthcare for over two decades. Prior to joining Clearwater, I was responsible for corporate cybersecurity and risk management consulting at a healthcare cybersecurity startup. And prior to that, I spent my healthcare career either working directly for a large IDN or consulting in IDNs for global organizations such as Dell and Atos, with general responsibility uh, in cybersecurity or IT service delivery and large scale program management. All right. So, Oh, sorry, I was going to talk about Clearwater. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Fantastic. A little bit about Clearwater. So Clearwater helps organizations of all sizes across the healthcare ecosystem move to a more secure, compliant, and resilient state so that they can achieve their mission. And we do this by providing a deep pool of experts across a broad range of cybersecurity, privacy, and compliance domains, along with our purpose-built software that enables efficient identification and management of cybersecurity and compliance risks. We also offer a tech-enabled 24-7, 365 Security Operations Center with managed threat detection, automation, and response capabilities. Overall, we partner in bring those very capabilities to support organizations within their respective cybersecurity and compliance journey.
0: All right. Well- You know, you mentioned you were, you know, you've been working in cybersecurity for a long time, and obviously cybersecurity and healthcare has been a major issue for years now. Where do things stand right now? Is it getting worse?
1: Well, you know, it's it's a never-ending uphill journey for healthcare organizations, and, you know, in, in January alone, there were... 30 large-scale health healthcare breaches. And you know, as of today, if we were to look at the OCR cases under investigation, year to day we're already in the millions of individuals that have been affected by a breach. And you know, I think that's indicative of not only the threat landscape, but the healthcare landscape that's that's also changing. And, you know, specifically my mind goes to post-pandemic, and there's been and there is a lot of chatter about this topic, but we're seeing technology sprawl at an, at an incredibly fast pace, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about an already soft, target-rich environment. And so we have healthcare systems that, you know, they're managing it security at different levels, but we also have adversaries that are relentless in their tactics. And so, you know, some organizations do it better than others when it comes to implementing a cybersecurity program, you know, which gives you the, the necessary tools and the defenses to help with those, you know, potential threats and attacks. But really it is truly that uphill journey without a doubt.
0: And and it's not like you can sort of implement something and then just be satisfied that everything's going to be okay. You kind of have to really stay on top of it, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if we think about the HIPAA security rule, uh, you know, you're, you're conducting your risk management activities business management activities on an ongoing and as-needed basis, and if you think about the adversaries, there's there's something new every day, you know, there's phishing campaigns every single day, ransomware as a service uh, has shifted now, you know, we have script kitties that are able to easily deploy, uh, you know, these significant payloads to organizations because it's become much more easier, so absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: So what are the patient safety implications of cyber risks?
1: Sure. And and this is one, Jay, that I'm happy you asked that. And I can talk about this one in length. Um, you know, I, I think this all starts with how we define a quality outcome, right? A quality outcome isn't just within the clinical or patient setting, right? A quality outcome is, is also tightly aligned to the CIA triad. And, I say that because if I'm a patient and I trust you to care for me, if you provide that care for me and you know I have my my treatment plan completed and it's resolved and I'm fine, but I get a notification that my information has been compromised, right? Or God forbid a third-party adversary contacts me. Uh, you know, that quality outcome that I experienced, it, it it changes for me, right? It changes for the patients. And so, you know, I think the patient safety implications for, you know, around the topic of cyber risks are, I, I think they're just a, a large magnitude of, of opportunity to really mitigate against those. And, you know, when we think about an event that happens and a facility turns to downtime procedures, if anybody's ever been in one of those, it's 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 less than pleasant, right? Yeah. So, during a downtime, there's there's no such thing as a stat lab. Um, during a downtime, if you're at a large hospital, uh, most hospitals have traveling nurses right now, and so if a traveling nurse doesn't have credentials for a, a downtime device, then you know there's also a significant gap there, and you know there's there's a, a significant of other concerns but you know what comes to mind is is near misses Yeah. So how are those being accounted for when you have nursing staff uh you know going to these omni cell cabinets doing manual overrides um you know there's significant opportunity there's there's no longer the bedside uh drug to drug drug to allergy drug to food scanning that you get as part of you know your operational resilience program so I think the implications to to patient safety um, equate to really understanding how important it is to protect that that human life more so than the human chart that is mm-hmm. is horrible.
0: I imagine it must have a a major effect if you've got surgeries scheduled uh, you know and and then you know something like this happens. i mean what you know what should healthcare organizations do if you know if they get you know so, sort of like that that ransomware situation where things are you know functions aren't working the way they should
1: yeah so you know i it, it, i'd like to say that preparedness prevails um you know unfortunately not org- all organizations who went back to my initial comment are at the same level of maturity and not only how they approach their cybersecurity program, but also, you know, how they're disciplined in, in testing that. And I say that because the the best outcomes when it comes to, to ransomware is when you have executive layer engagement, uh, when you get to conduct that tabletop exercise to include your counsel, right? Because what you want to avoid and healthcare organizations ideally want to avoid um, is when you have an event, trying to understand the approach, the strategy in a boardroom, you know, during the middle of an event, right? That's the wrong time to sort it, but that's how often uh, times it does end up. And, you know, I think that's, that's also indicative of a, a need to really, you know, turn preparedness to a, a culture, right? And, and talk about cyber resilience and enterprise cyber risk management at the core of that.
0: Um when you know are are you seeing pretty uh, varied responses from healthcare organizations to these threats, uh, you know, in terms of preparedness and and just sort of how they respond?
1: Yes, so you know um, i I would say that there's there's a, a couple type of organizations, you know, um, organizations that have not had to respond to an event, which means they haven't had to likely respond to the office for civil rights uh, with an inquiry. Mm-hmm. And then there's organizations that have experienced an event and they've had to respond to the OCR and have been held accountable. And, you know, it's easy to categorize based on that, Jay, because if you're a organization that, uh um, you know, has a, a cap with the OCR, then you're going to improve, right? You're going to invest the time and energy. You're going to hopefully align to the, to the security rule, right? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes to get that progression, to get that investment, to really shift that culture. And by doing so, yes, you really do mitigate your attack services because you're investing in how you manage your safeguards, how you manage your footprint more importantly, how you're conducting those risk management activities on an ongoing as-needed as basis. And the other side of that is, for the organizations that haven't had to respond to an OCR inquiry or a significant event, it goes back to that culture. You know, what's the what's the mindset of, of leadership there? You know, it, it's, it's at the cybersecurity layer, of course, but it's also at the leadership layer. And there's a lot that influences that from, you know, how we be making compelling cases and really providing a rationale to go after funding to better support the organization in the form of resourcing, of tooling, of other cybersecurity initiatives. And so, you know, it's really a, a culmination of, uh, you know, the organizations that are trying to mature and the different areas at which they're able to based on funding and leadership.
0: Um. And are there? Def- I mean, are are you still seeing organizations that kind of have that you know, it'll never happen here attitude, where the, you know they haven't had to deal with anything, and they figure you know, what are the odds that it'll happen to us? So they so they're just kind of you know not preparing.
1: Yes, you know, uh, indeed, I, I would say so. And um, you know, you, you often, in our line of work, you always hear it's not a matter of if but when you know I, I feel that's we don't even need to say that anymore because every every time we we, we read a, an article right we're seeing a new compromise a new uh, a new APT so you know I, I think there is certainly uh, a group and you know it's it goes back to the maturity of the organization there's a lot of influencers there but mm-hmm. yes some organizations uh, Have never experienced something, you know, like an event of of substance, are are not taking that uh, that approach of of really being proactive. And you know, I do have conversations uh, often, and I'm trying to explore, you know, the rationale behind that mindset. And there's a couple things that are often dominant in those conversation, and you know, that's that's cost, right? That's resources in general. but it's also, you know, back to perhaps where that person is is envisioning a security program. And, you know, when we talk about a cybersecurity program, depending on who you ask, uh, you're going to get a different response, right? right. And so right. you don't have a problematic approach that's well thought out um, in functionality, but also in resilience, then, you know, you're going to have gaps. Hmm.
0: Um, how can you know, obviously there's. A lot of proposed regulations right now, but how can healthcare organizations improve security without the need for added regulations
1: sure um, you know well an, an organization's culture is cr- is a critical component right to improve security uh, there should be open dialogue around the question what are we doing about cyber risk and you know that starts with the board and I have conversations jay um and what I like to do is, you know, oftentimes when I talk to, to clinical leaders, it's a different conversation than uh, a security leader, right? Um, but, you know, this often resonates with clinical leaders, with CIOs, but when you think about your your clinical teams, your your provider, your nursing community, they need to have the right level of acuity Uh, I'm sorry, of telemetry to match the acuity of their patient, right? And similarly for your cybersecurity strategy, you have to have the same thing. You have to make sure that you have the right telemetry in place as well. But, you know, ultimately organizations have a significant opportunity to really integrate cybersecurity strategy with with patient care. You know, um, I think, uh, you know, when we hear about value-based care models and, and equity metrics and care analytics, those are, those are founded on the premise that you have clinical staff and operational resilience in place. And so, you know, tying that back to ownership of what are we doing about cyber risk is important because ideally if you're doing something about it, then everybody at the leadership layer should have a strong understanding of it and that, that commitment cascades to the rest of the organization. So, you know, I, I think culture is important. I think talking about cyber risk is is the second part of that, right? And you don't need a regulation to do that. You, you don't need a, an event to do that. You can be proactive and have those conversations. And that's where it's also uh, a great opportunity. If you If you don't have that kind of capacity, that kind of resources in-house, and that's where you want to partner with somebody, mm. right? You want to make sure that you're being as proactive as possible, so you're not in a position where you're in the middle of an event. Going back to that reference of being in that boardroom, in a command center, right? So, uh, it's about being as proactive as possible.
0: Makes sense. Um, so obviously, you know, we mentioned that there's a, you know, various cybersecurity regulations that are that are that have been proposed. Uh, where do things stand with those right now?
1: Sure. So, you know, I, I think something that's interesting is just this past week, we saw the OCR uh, announce a notice of proposed rulemaking, right, to, to strengthen patient-provider confidentiality around per- reproductive health care. So, you know, while the goal is to ensure that your medical records will not be disclosed and used against, you know, you as the patient or provider, we're also adding accountability within a specialty here, right? This is reproductive health. And, you know, I think this is significant because the conversation as a practicing specialty is going to turn quickly to, you know, how are you reasonably and appropriately safeguarding this data? But, you know, I think this is important because, you know, now we're talking about a specialty. Now we're talking about privacy. So, you know are we going to see more specialties as the ocr starts to get engaged with legislation on specific topics right and the premise here is to ensure that you know when it's just obviously uh, the exceptions to share that you know respective patient data um, as an exception you know is also present but nonetheless we're we're talking at you know, at the specialty layer so you know that one piqued my interest because I can't help but think that we're going to see a lot more of this coming forward in the, the next year. Um, you know, last year, Jay, we also saw the OCR release, an RFI, seeking comment on uh, recognized security practices and, and civil money penalty and settlement sharing. And you know, I think this is important because the intent is to define not only how covered entities. And business associates are implementing these recognized security practices, but also demonstrating that they're in place. And the intent is to also capture the, the types of harms to be considered in civil money penalties and settlements. And, and this goes back to the concept of a quality outcome. You know, there's a patient on the other side of the record. And back to the back to the guidance of talking about cyber risk management right? If you're you're doing that at an enterprise level, then, you know, you're not going to have any issues with something like trying to demonstrate that you have your security practices in place. But, you know, this goes back to that proactive position of healthcare organizations that you don't necessarily need legislation in place to tell you that you need to take significant interest in your security posture.
0: And these regulations, like, you know, when are they expected to actually be enacted?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I know several of them, but so we just had the RFI, right? So, um, I, I know that will be, that goes through a timeline for it to get enacted. Um, you know, just thinking about another one, Jay, is um the public sector, is the SEC's uh, amendments focused on Incident disclosure and reporting—you know the 8K and 6K form, I believe—but that's also inclusive of cyber risk management um, strategy and governance as well. So, um, you know, the intent is to share uh, share that with the uh, stakeholders. But you know, unfortunately, that's what it takes to get a quality outcome within an organization. Um, but this is a significant step forward as we, as we, you know, we're just talking about amendments. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And, you know, if you're a healthcare organization and, you know, you do have, you do have a ransomware threat. um, I mean, obviously like, you know, like you mentioned, you know, every organization is different. You know, how do you, how do you recommend that folks respond to these kinds of threats? I mean, because I know I've read that like you know some will just pay to get their services restored um, is is that you know but is that a mistake or you know how do you sort of you know gauge those things and I, or is every single incident different that you have to kind of evaluate
1: yeah, that's a really good question jay um and and I'd love to I'd love to say that you know every organization is prepared for that but that's not realistic right so mm. Um, It is super contextual, right? Um, Some healthcare organizations do engage the FBI. Some healthcare organizations already understand whether or not they uh, advocate to pay ransomware. Um, You know, it's really going to vary by organization, but but what is really supportive at that time is um, operational resilience on the clinical side of the house. And this is downtime procedures, right? So this is ensuring that those are in place, uh, ensuring that you understand what your critical processes are. Because if you do have an attack and you can be presumptuous that it's going to take down your entire facility or facilities, then you have to run parallel paths, right? One is Mm -hmm. caring for the patients and employees. And the other part is dealing with the attack itself. And so, you know, typically, what we advise customers is to understand your current ransomware playbooks if you have nothing there then you know that is the place to start right is to understand how that looks and feels from the triage to declaring an incident right and from there um, you know it, it's managing upward as part of that playbook so it really varies from uh, organization Um, Very rarely does anyone say, oh, yes, just pay the ransomware, right? Right. you will have some organizations that uh, may find out that they are breached, but they're going to conduct the type of forensic or they're going to try to isolate and learn more about the threat actor. Um, You know, there's certainly different approaches uh, that that surround uh, that breach from a technology uh, in security perspective, but also from an uh, operational perspective on the clinical side of the house.
0: And if you pay, there's no guarantee that they'll give you your stuff back, right? I mean, well,
1: yeah, and that's that's what that's what makes it so in, incredibly sad uh, because you're talking double, triple extortion, right? Um, me as a as a patient, I don't want to receive a phone call that somebody has my record and they're going to post it. On here's a link; you can go look for yourself right now. You know. Um you know, and it, that's why the the quality outcome really resonates with me is it's beyond just caring for for the patient, it's protecting that that data, you know that that person behind it
0: and And the key really is just to prepare, right? I mean to have have a plan so that when when you do get this threat, you're not just sort of scrambling.
1: Absolutely, best case scenario, you've conducted a a business impact analysis, you know where your core processes are, you have an enterprise cyber risk management program in place, you know, going back to ongoing and as needed, you're you're understanding, you know, where and what safeguards you need to protect the uh, acuity of that data, right? The criticality of that data. And in doing so as part of that security program, you're you're mitigating against some of this, right? um you know you think about the go anywhere event that just happened earlier this year that that was that was a bug that got exploited rather quickly, and unfortunately, you know it, it, if you configured it incorrectly, uh, which is admin console access to the public facing internet, then you became a prime target for getting compromised and yeah. you know that wasn't way in you've had a strong enterprise cyber risk management in place program in place and you would have policies that would prevent that from happening right because that's just not practice for implementing a uh implementing a solution
0: yeah i mean i think it just makes sense to to think about it instead of pretending it's not going to happen right
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah and that's the tough part and then having conversations because you you want to help all healthcare organizations. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. And to really help, you have to understand the rationale of, of current state, but also, you know, business objectives. What what is the strategy? And how can we partner, come together to to prevent, right? To mitigate against those uh, very events.
0: Well, Anthony, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great.
1: Oh, thank you, Jay. I've enjoyed the conversation.
0: All right. That wraps up episode 83 of PSQH, the podcast. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again, and stay safe.